Welcome to episode three of Matushka's Right Peg. Today in the virtual podcast studio, we are joined by debutant Baz Timmers. We've got regular Kyle and also the regular Mark. Not sure where Cherry is. Maybe he's uh, going to just listen to this one. Obviously, disappointing result last week. I think we're all glad to see the back, boom, boom, of last weekend's crushing defeat at Gladbach. We'll, we'll have a little talk about that, but we won't spend too long. We'll look forward to the Schalke fixture, which is on Sunday afternoon. We'll also open the, uh, the podcast talking about the biggest global issue of, of uh, the moment, which is Black Lives Matter. We'll have a look at that from an Union perspective and, and try and give you an update as to the voices coming out of uh, the Alta Forsterei on that one. And I think for today... We'll also have a little look at um, Altklinika, which uh, there were some announcements this week from Union about uh, helping them get their license for the, the following season. Uh, the Alta Forcerai will be made available for floodlit fixtures, etc. And we'll talk about some of the Union links there. And for those of you who don't know anything about Altklinika, we'll also try and update you on uh, uh, a little bit about the uh, about the place over the other side of the water from uh, from the Alta Forsterai. But without further ado, let's have a look at Black Lives Matter. And I think we'll pass first of all to our de- debutante, Baz. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. And I'm one of the few in Berlin at the moment. So, how are you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing very well. I'm. Uh, I'm in Belgium, as you know. Had a bit of a bit of a tough week. I, I haven't probably prepared as much this week as, as I did last week. So, um, please forgive me. But um, yeah, what's your what's your take on um, Black Lives Matter, Baz? It's a cliche, obviously, that it's a super important issue. Uh, everybody has been jumping on it. For me, the main question in regard to to Union and professional football is actually, um, can should professional footballers have an opinion about a topic like this, a societal top topic like this? Um, and for me, it's actually quite obvious. Yes, why not? They're humans. Um, they have a massive platform. So I think personally, it's super important that they are communicating their uh, opinion about it, that they are using their influence about it. Uh, Christopher Trimmel this week posted on Instagram that he had donated to a charity linked to Black Lives Matter. We all know as well that Christopher Trimble is a huge personality. He has a very strong opinions. Um, and he was actually calling upon his colleagues to also have an opinion uh, and communicate about it. Um, so I actually think that it's super important for players and also for clubs to take a stand uh, and um, to say no against racism. Um, as cliche as it might be. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think we talked a little bit on the podcast about, obviously, we're, we're four white blokes watching Union. So um, maybe we aren't the best people to talk about it, but we, we all felt it was a big issue. And I hope everyone feels that um, us, us voicing kind of our, um, maybe not opinion, but just trying to bring it to life from, from the podcast perspective is something that people, people do endorse. Kyle, maybe we can turn to you now for, for some comments north of the border. Yeah, uh, I agree a lot uh, with what Baz has said there. The protests last week uh, were, were quite strong. Uh, it, it would be great if we saw more 
sadly it was just the 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 four there um from Turam, Sancho, Hikimi and Weston McKenney. I, I shared it with you guys. An article came out in Kicker on uh, Monday morning saying that these players for their protests after scoring might have been uh, fined or punished by the, the DFB for, for their actions. And uh, I thought this was ridiculous. And it was like nice to see at the end of this uh, article that there was comments from the, the Onion Sporting Director, or the, like the CEO, uh, Oliver Runert, um, saying that if these players are to be punished for their actions, then we must ask if we are of the same values, that this no to racism, because being against racism isn't a political statement. It's just the right thing to be. Um, I, and I think we're all in agreement in that. In terms of other things that come out from the club, I know before the last match day, Anthony Uja had tweeted out um, a photo of himself where he'd protest against another unnecessary death with Eric Garner, uh, who he'd wrote on his undershirt, like Sancho did at the weekend, saying, uh, like, Eric Garner, I can't breathe. And it just put on top of that George Floyd because it was another example of this happening again. It shouldn't happen. Um, I think that was 2014, it was. But Anthony Uja's Twitter, I'd never seen before. Uh, but the re- reception that that got was quite strong and it was quite good to see from the Onion fan base that they were getting behind that. Um, and, and a general thing, um, like the past 10 days have been, it's been like as a white person been fairly uncomfortable and it, I think that's something we've all got to get used to. There, there is a, a lot of white privilege and it's we've got to use our voices to kind of be like, no, this is wrong and kind of move forward and try and build a better society and Hopefully it doesn't take more needless deaths to get to a point where society is something that's equal for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's an extremely hard, hard issue to discuss on a podcast that is geared towards being quite lighthearted, etc. But I, I do feel that, that you guys have, have done, uh, done great there in terms of just trying to bring it to life a bit for the unyona that are listening, because I, I know it's a big topic. I talk to people through direct messages and I've, I've chatted to a few people this week about different issues for the podcast. I'll bring, I'll bring Mark in last, but I, I think Baz, just do you want to, uh, do you want to, do, do you want to say something just before I bring Mark in there? Uh, yeah, please. Um, Cause what's important for me personally, two things. Um, I don't feel so uncomfortable with the entire issue as a white man, because um I don't feel responsible for other white people who are racists. So I think it's actually super important that white people speak out um, as well against racism um, to whatever uh, um, part of the population it actually is. That is one thing. The second is there is a lot of attention um, for this topic at this moment, which is really cool, but we all know how the media works. So in one or two weeks, there's going to be another issue that is going to get a lot of attention. And this is going to go back into the background. And if we really want to fight racism, we have to do it every day, every week and every month. Probably not all of the podcast listeners know that there is, a, I think it's a foundation called Schöner Eisen ohne Nazis. Um, better iron, better union fan without Nazis, which is actually addressing this issue in the long term, because they are having programs against Nazis at Union. And this is obviously a very uncomfortable topic, but we talked about it several times already. 
Union is just a mirror of society. So it has its good parts and it has its bad parts. Um, there are extreme right-wingers amongst Union fans as well. And it's just really good to know that there are actually people doing something about that every day, every week, every month, for years already. Yeah, I think that's uh, a point that is worth reinforcing that, of course, Union is a reflection of, of society. Of course, there are, there are elements of Union that may take a different view to, to those expressed on that podcast. But I, I just have to hope that that, that is really a minority and a, a very tiny, tiny part of, uh, part of Union. Mark, maybe uh, we can now come to you. What, uh, what, what is your take on all of this? Um, well, I think that I think I've said this before: is that there's a conception. Um, sorry, start that again. Not conception, perception. Um, I think there's a perception um, that Union is somehow like this uh, brilliant club. It's possibly this cult club. Hate the word, really, but it's along the lines of St. Pauli such to, uh, such uh, clubs like that and everything and the fact is is that um, everyone said in England uh, that racism was a huge problem in the 1980s um, I thought that we left those uh, those days behind and sometimes I've heard some terrible racist abuse terrible racist abuse from others on the uh, on the terraces Union fans people with red scar red and white scarves on who you stand next to and everything, abusing black players. And I, I think it's, it, it, it's amazing that this still happens. It's sad that this still happens in society, in, in modern society. And what makes me optimistic, even though the current situation, the political situation is extremely, um, extremely um, tough at the moment. And what does make me optimistic is that when it's happened in recent years, uh, it's always been shouted down by people around the, pe around the people who've done it as well. Maybe it's one voice, maybe it's loads of people and everything, but as long as these voices keep coming out and as long as they're saying, stop that right now and everything, in whichever way they want to do it at Union, then I think that we're on the right track and everything. But it is obviously something that we still have to uh, really knock on the head. It's, I find it, like I say, I find it amazing that this still goes on in this day and age. I really do. It's very sad. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's hugely sad. Unfortunately, I am a Sunderland fan. I, I can't say that I haven't heard very, very bad comments at Sunderland. The, the famous issue at Sunderland actually was, uh, I think it was Wigan away. And we had a striker that many people will know, Darren Bent. Now, Bent was scoring goals left, right and centre. He was a darling of the Sunderland fans. Songs were sang about Darren Bent. His mum came to watch him, a black woman, and was racially abused by Sunderland fans. Bent, Bent later left the club under a cloud and people called him greedy, but um, as a Sunderland fan, you, you just, if, 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 you, if you had heard something like that to the, to the star striker's mother, um, of course it doesn't matter who racism is directed against, but it was, it, was, it was such a sickening thing to have happened when this guy is banging in the goals for you and, and that happens. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, it does still happen everywhere and it, it takes people, when these, when these things do occur around football, as we're talking about now, maybe sort of broadening out the, the conversation, it takes, takes people to stand up and say, no, that's wrong. 
and I think that's that's the case for any discrimination. It is uh, it's often difficult in football grounds to to take that stand, but people need to do it. And um, yeah, to coin a, another cliche, as we started talking about cliches, but people need to be better, and people do need to stand up. And um, let's let's hope that um, this is a bit of a watershed moment, and and things do improve. So in the news this week from Union was Altglinica wanting to, uh, well, being offered to, to use the Alta Forsterai, which is uh, an interesting topic. Not everyone will know much about Altglinica, so we'll, we'll endeavor to throw a bit of, uh, bit of light on that. We had some interesting tweets this week, one of which was from Arlene Isaboot, his Twitter handle. And he asked about the Alta Forsterai and the expansion and what did we think of the Alta Forsterai moving, obviously, from the current capacity, which is just over 22,000, to a stadium, ultimately, much, much bigger, approaching, I think, 40,000. I think uh, 38,000 is the uh, capacity the new, uh, the new build would, would take the Alta Forsterai to. So, um, first of all, let's, let's uh, stick with Glinica. And Kyle, um, I haven't seen them play. I believe you have. Yeah, uh, when I was uh, when I went to the Frankfurt game uh, at home this season, I had a free morning and went to see Algalinica play in the Regional League on the Sunday morning. More because I wanted to go to the the sport park, the Jan Sport Park. I hadn't been. It's uh, quite a historic ground in Berlin, uh, and I didn't want to go when the usual tenants were in. So yeah, uh, Algalinica, they're qu quite a small team uh, in terms of, well, especially in terms of attendance figures. The day I went, there was only 124 people there. So not the, the biggest club, but they've been playing really good football this season. Their assistant coach is Torsten Matushka, who the podcast is named after. And they've got some ex owner playing for them, like uh, Chrissy Queering, who we've mentioned before. But yeah, uh, so I went to see them play Bischofsberda. Uh, they won 5 0, played really good football. It was like, really good to go and watch. And they've been playing really well in the Regional Liga this year. So they're top of the table uh, on goal difference at the moment. It's unclear how that's going to finish because of the coronavirus. The Regional Liga isn't back yet, like, like the Women's Bundesliga and the Dritte Liga came back last week. Uh, the Regional Liga are not back. They are ahead on goal difference, but Lokomotiv Leipzig, who are in second, have played a game less. So it's yet to be seen if uh, Algalenica will be given the title, if they'll play the remaining games, how they're going to finish it off. But uh, were it to happen that they got promoted into the third division, they have to have a stadium with floodlights, and the Jan Sport Park, with its famous floodlights, is uh, getting shut down at the end of the season. So on your own, stepping in and helping out their neighbour club with the offer of the Alta Fister Eye is quite nice. Yeah, I think um, it's a kind of one of those romantic stories. I mean, you're, you're telling me that you've been somewhere recently. I mean, 124 people. It's one of those kind of classic Berlin when you, you have your kind of maybe big game at Union or obviously there are other clubs in the city that, that people support. And I know, I know our rivals like to listen to our podcast. So hello to uh, the Hertha fans listening. Often people cram in another game, whether it's going to Babelsberg, whatever it is. But... I think those games where you see 124 people, uh, someone wins 5-0 and they play good football, that, that must have been superb, Kyle, to, uh, to go and see. Yeah, like, uh, I didn't expect too much. Like, like I said, I was more going because I, I wanted to visit this historic ground. Um, but yeah, they, uh, before the game, they'd uh, 
this guy, my, my German isn't the best, so I, I maybe missed some stuff, but this guy who's in an alkalinica top and he's maybe in his 40s or 50s, he's definitely not playing and he comes out and starts singing just songs. I don't know if they're songs about the club or whatever, but um, and then he announces the team and they come on and then he sings like maybe the club anthem uh, and the game goes on. And then at halftime, he comes back out for another sing song. It was like, it's like some like stars in the rise episode or something I was watching right before myself. But um, yeah, uh, a good team to go and watch definitely on this season. Uh, and if that, the Altafist or I, whenever we can get back there, I'm sure you'll be able to get a ticket, no bother. Well, I mean, uh, on, on the upside, if, uh, if, if they do get back there soon and uh, they, they get so few supporters with social distancing, maybe we can all go and watch. Uh, but anyway, uh, maybe, maybe Christian Arbeit is, is going to be concerned about his job if we've got this guy singing and uh, maybe he'll make a move on Mr. Arbeit's job and wants to be on the pitch at Union one day. Who knows? As we have been speaking during this podcast, brand new news from the Nord-Ostdeutsche Fußballverband. Lokomotive Leipzig is Nord-Ost champions. Being announced as we were talking. Apparently they all met. Uh, they all met and had a video conference just now while we were doing our podcast. And they're doing it on weighted points per game. Lokomotive Leipzig champions, Alklinika second. What a what a shame for the for the team at Klinika. The uh, the controversy over kind of weighted points is one that I think will rage over the Corona pandemic. So commiserations to anyone who loses out. But uh, thanks for that update, Mark. Absolutely brilliant breaking news on the pod. Obviously, when you listen to this, it's old news, but uh, great to bring that in. Anyway, Mark, uh, what's uh, what's your take take on this and? Uh, the, uh, the extension, obviously, of the Alta Forsterai as, as well. Um, well, bitterly needed, I think, is, um, I think is the main aspect about this. Baz, I'm sure, has more to say about the, uh, the whole infrastructure uh, part of it. Um, our listeners, if you haven't been to the Alta Forsterai before, or you've only been once or twice, it's quite tough to explain, but... The, capacity, the, the, the area in which it is and getting people to it, that's the most important thing. It literally, it, it, it struggles as it is at the moment with 22,000. With an extra 15,000 on top of that, that's almost double again and everything. I, I look forward to, to, to having a full house, hopefully, I don't know, against Tater or Bayern or something like this. Uh, also predominantly standing as well, which is also nice to see and everything. Um, I look forward to the days. I, I, I don't look forward to the queues for the tram and I don't look forward to the queues for a beer and a sausage. I'll be honest. <laughs> I've, I've got to be honest with you there. Um, there there's, a lot of, um, there's a lot of things to look at. And if we've seen anything when it comes to building anything in Berlin, it's going to take ages as well, I think. They've already put back another month just the, the, pre, the pre-discussions on a concept uh, because of corona and whatever. But uh, needs doing, but um, I'm not holding my breath, put it that way. Yeah, you, you make some interesting points. I think any stadium that's redeveloped on the current site you, you, you always worry about things like the infrastructure. I mean, come on, us, us guys, we all love walking through that forest, sometimes with a bottle of beer, 
if you put another 15,000, um, I've no idea how, how that would actually work. At the moment, we're, we're, we're getting in the ground 90 minutes early. Maybe it would take, take some of the strain off of how early people get in the ground. But then again, I don't know because it depends. I think you, you talked saying Baz would, would probably know a bit about the infrastructure, probably on the, on the outside of the ground. But on the inside, I mean, it depends how they do it. Uh, it's it's certainly an interesting one and um, I mean all, all I can say is I've got friends who have been across and uh, my, my mate Hopper who I know will listen to this podcast came across when we beat Powley 3-2 I think again that, that has been mentioned already on this podcast but his, he had an absolute brilliant experience that was a full house at the Alpha Force to arrive those those types of atmospheres with a full house at the moment are are superb and I think have to be experienced. My personal concern is that as you get bigger and bigger, does it kind of dilute some of some of the intimacy that we that we currently have? I can't really imagine being kind of another 20, 30 meters back, but uh, maybe that's just me being an old fart and having been to to the AF for for a while now. But uh, but yeah, Baz, Baz, what do you what do, what do you make of all of this? Well, I absolutely agree that you're an old fart. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. Um, I, actually, I don't share your fear for diluting the atmosphere. It is obviously going to change, but um, size does matter. So if you look at it from that way, um, if we're almost going to double the size of the crowd, it could also become more intimidating. For those who don't know the proposed redesign, um, where the terraces are at the moment, so at three sides, they're going to put up a second ring. And most of that is going to be terraces as well. Uh, it's going to be concentrated on the Waldseite, so where our ultras are at the moment. So the entire idea is to create a red wall, obviously similar to the yellow wall in, um, in Dortmund. So that is probably going to be quite intimidating. And because there is going to be you know, 80% terraces still, I don't really fear that uh, the Alta Fusteri is going to be less intimidating. The club is just moving on. Um, so obviously um, the atmosphere is going to change, but I'm not too skeptical about that actually. Then about the pace of development, this being Berlin, as I think Mark already mentioned, uh, that's all, also always very, very, very difficult. So the current planning is that uh, the traffic concept, which is the biggest hurdle to uh, starter renovation is going to be finished right after summer and theoretically Union could start building um, in the winter. Let's see if that is going to happen or not. Traffic concept is difficult because for us, you know, going to Copenhagen, um, we've got memories of arriving at the S-Bahnhof, but everybody knows that when you're looking at that, um, that is going to be super hard to have 40,000 people <laughs> arriving there and going to the Altoforsterei through the forest. Uh, so one of the key aspects actually is that you're going to expand that into a proper railway station for regional trains. I just looked it up in the internet. Current planning is that you're going to finish that one in 2026. Union can't wait that long, but if there is a concept in place that they're going to be able to accommodate around 40,000 people or 36,978 to be exact, then that is probably all right to move on with, uh, with building. There's one more thing that I would like to add, which for me was interesting because Mark, you said 
that it is urgently needed. When these plans were proposed initially in, I think, the summer of 2017, on a beautiful summer evening in the stadium where there were, I think, four or 5,000 Union fans in the main stand and huge jumbotron television screens outlining the design and the new capacity. That was like excitement, but also a lot of skepticism. How is Union's second league going to fill 37,000, not seats, but at least places? We've moved on three years, and I think independent of the question whether we are going to be in first league or second, I'm quite convinced that even in second, we're going to average at least 30,000. And I'm going to say something dangerously, probably. But I actually think that Union should already go the next step. Because if you look at our direct competition in the Bundesliga, it's the Mainz, it's Freiburg, it's Hoffenheim. These are all clubs that have gone into new stadiums with a capacity of 30 to 35,000. If we want to be economically viable in the first league, I think that we should be even a bit more gutsy and we should go to 45,000 now, immediately, um, if we still can adjust that. And if that's possible because of the traffic situation, obviously. But um, where, there is a, where there is an intention, there is a way. That is, uh, that is really interesting. I've, I've got a couple of things that is kind of bubbling away in my head, especially with, uh, with Arlene as a boot, being a Sunderland fan like me. Our stadium is not far off that 45k. Um, we're in the third league now, draw your own conclusions. But before I talk, let me, um, let me bring in Kyle. Kyle, have you, uh, you any thoughts on, uh, on what's been said so far? Yeah, uh, just one thing talking about the Baz talking about the presentation that was given uh, when they announced the plans to expand. I remember watching it and the loudest cheer, I don't know if you recall, was for the increase in toilet capacity. Because I don't know if you've uh, ever tried to, to go to the loo in the Altiverse Rai at half time, but uh, if you make that choice, uh, you're, you're going to miss some football because uh, capacity in terms of toilets is pretty low at the moment. So, um, even, even just that, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> probably, probably a bit too much. Yeah, um, I, I don't want to think about the toilet situation at the Alta Forsterai, to be honest, but uh, absolutely uh, very, very true. Um, so yeah, Baz, I, th I think it's interesting what you said about this capacity of, uh, if I remember correctly, P.S. I had to write it down, 36,978. You're kind of thinking, okay, Let's, let's add, add a few more on that and go to, go to 45,000. Interesting, I'll, I'll just go back to Sunderland. We, we moved, moved from Roker Park, it dwindled into a similar capacity as the Alta Forsterai has now. We, we went to the Stadium of Lights, only a mile away. Great stadium, sadly all-seater, uh, very depressing from, from that perspective. But then what happened was it, it went from a stadium that held 42,000 and then they added the extra 6,000 seats and when you're in league and uh, the third division uh, so the equivalent of the, the, the league three in, in Germany when you're getting 20 odd thousand when you're getting even 30,000 and you've got a 48,000 stadium the place looks empty the seats start to just just you, you see them on tv and it just becomes a kind of almost an albatross and I'm not sure what um, Arlene Isabu, uh thinks about this. So I'll be interested when he listens to this podcast, him, him coming back actually with what, with, 
with what he thinks of Sunderland. But I think any club that builds a massive stadium has a due diligence to think of the very, very short term. And I think we all agree in the short term, Union is a club that should be getting more than, more than 22,000. I think new stadiums, developments, etc., generally bring in a new type of fan because there is a wider availability of tickets. I mean, we're all, we're all seeing it at the moment that many of the games are oversubscribed. Once people get the book, they will go to other games. So they might start off by going to one of these big games, the Bayerns, the, the Derby, uh, Dortmund, whatever it is. But they, they might start then coming back to other games. So I, I certainly agree in part, Baz, to, to you and what you said. In terms of uh, the, uh, the queues, which I think is something you said, Mark, I just hope that they've got more more uh, more vendors for for the for the sausage because I do enjoy a sausage uh, at Union. I must say. Obviously, um, I understand your worries, uh, Wilson, that the place might be very very empty if we're going to relegate to the second league or to the third league. Uh, then again, um, this is professional football, and I think you should be ambitious. I think you should be um, positive. So if you're only going to plan for the worst case. Uh, you're not going to get really, really far. I think until now, Union has done a great job in doing it in a, an economically very sensible way. As said, three years ago, the leap to 36,978 seemed very big. Now we're very confident that we can probably fill that capacity um, every week. And my main reason is just that we've seen an upward curve in the last years. And um, I don't see it slow down, actually. And once you already have the construction company there, it obviously still costs a lot of money to expand the stadium from, from 37,000 to, let's say, 45,000. But you are saving a lot of costs as well because you don't have to go through this entire planning process. You don't have to get the contracts. You don't have to get the financing. So maybe this is the moment to just be a bit more gutsy uh, and I'm just going to help uh, the architects with this one as well, because at the Gegengerade, if you would put a third ring on it or extend the expansion that they've got planned now, then we could have many more terraces there as well. And we could just move the seats over there to the third ring because everybody knows that we are just planning those extra seats because it is being required by the Deutsche Fußball League and otherwise it would be an all-terrace stadium. Before we close the issue, I, I do like this one. I, I, I will be more positive this time. We should be planning for Europe. So do we need more seats or do we need these, uh, these sort of safe standing seats? Safe standing is always a good idea. Um, I think it's probably not going to happen so quickly that we are going to play European football at the Alta First Array, but that's what they said in 2001 or 2002 as well. I think there's another reason for safe standing, and that is just the character of the club and the character of the Alta First Array. There's a high likelihood that people who are going to buy seats at the Gegengerade after the expansion probably want to have the choice between sitting and standing, and that is much, much easier uh, if you've got safe standing, which is just laid out for that decision. Um, so it just really thinks that it fits with the atmosphere of the club. Let's move on to, uh, to, to, to kind of last weekend. Um, I don't leave games early when it's in a stadium, but I did turn off, I think, a few minutes before the end. It, was, it wasn't a great dis display at Gladbach, unfortunately. 
let's co let's cover that off in uh, in as little time as possible. Let's have a look forward as well to uh, to the game on Sunday at uh, against Schalke at, at home. The uh, the Alta Geisterei. Uh, I'm I'm not as negative uh, as you regarding last week's match because I thought that at least in ball possession we were doing much much better than um, the weeks before. It's just hugely disappointing to see that um, the slump that we actually already started at the Leverkusen Cup game, because I just I did a bit of preparation this week, and then I started thinking, like, it's not that this started after the coronavirus, but we already started with these problems in the Leverkusen game, where we got a stupid red card, which killed the match and kicked us out of the cup. Then we went to Freiburg and we lost because of set pieces, which hadn't been a problem earlier in the season. So we're really starting to lose our edge there. We got a red card there as well, although late in the game. And these problems just continued after the coronavirus break. So as cliche as it is, but it's, it's the easiest solution is that we have to stop making these stupid mistakes, give away easy goals, get easy red cards. It's, um, it's an amount of mistakes that we made at the start of the season, and now it's come back. And that is actually quite worrying. In ball possession, we're doing better and better, um, I think. But if you look at our defending, um, it's hard to put a word on it, but amateurish is, is even maybe positive. One more thing that I want to say about it is, if you look at the, at, at, um, the slow motion of the, I think it was the last goal last week, you see that Gladbach is playing the ball to the wings. You see Friedrich, who is in the center, follow the ball, and player is standing two meters away from him, and he doesn't look at player anymore before the cross actually arrives, and he's seven meters away, and he has a very easy finish. And that says everything about the current state of the defense of Union. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I completely agree with that. I think the defense has been sort of obviously what we've, we've kind of built forward from, a, from having such a good defense at times. I think since the break, it's been, uh, yeah, amateurish, I think is a, is, a, is a great summary, really. Before I bring you in, Kyle, I think I think Baz wants to say one more thing. Let's uh, let's. Let, what, what else have you got to say, Tim? Is that, I like your I like your debut so far. You you've got lots to say. This is good. Well, actually, I don't have so much to say, but I heard that Kyle had prepared a rant immediately after last week's match. So I'd say bring it on, Kyle. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dive into the whole rant. I I don't think I stand by everything that I I I prepared and that maybe if we recorded on uh, on Monday I, I I would be regretting it now put it that way but um yeah there there was a lot left to be desired uh, last week and I know at Onion it's you support the team and to to talk negatively about players isn't exactly the done thing um but we sp we spoke in our podcast last week that we've got to make sure that we keep an eye on player and Turam and yet they combined for three goals and two assists or something like that. Um, yeah, crazy. Uh, and all the space they were given. We, we, our good results this season were built off the back of a strong defence. And like you said, Baz, it's, 
it doesn't seem to be it doesn't seem to be easy to find at the moment. But um, yeah, if there's a if there's any time to sort that out, Schalke this weekend. Um, Schalke are fucking shit. Um, if we look at the if we look at the form table, the two worst teams in the Bundesliga at the moment are us and Schalke. Uh, we're we're bottom because of goals conceded, but Schalke this year have uh, this calendar year have only scored five goals in the league. Uh, their last league win was a two 0 win against Munchen Gladbach on uh, January seventeenth, uh, and they've only scored a, a goal in three games since. So Paderborn, Fortuna, and Hoffenheim. Um, I recall the I, I, I remember watching the the away game uh, back in November I think it was and uh, and we were it was a good game Onion were were quite close in that like if if we can't get something out of Schalke who are looking pretty pretty damn bad at the moment then uh, I'll have my I'll have my worries. Well. Um... I think I think you've made me more nervous actually because when when I find out that someone hasn't won since January the seventeenth, I'm like shit, unbelievable. That's it's, it's is it going to be us? And if we are one of the bottom two form sides, it, it kind of makes me more more worried. Um, I know Baz as the debutant has just got more and more to say. But before before we bring you in, Baz, I'm going to bring Mark Mark back in. Mark, um, what's what, what's your thoughts at the moment on uh, on what we're discussing? Well, um, just to add to last uh, to last week's game, it's not about losing to Gladbach. I mean, they're third. I mean, they're, they're going for Europe. They're going for Champions League even. They're in Europe, almost certainly. And, you, and I said last week about the players that they have up front and how they will pose problems for us. But it, like, like Baz and, and, and Kyle have both said, it's how it happened. That's it. I don't care. We you can lose every game as a as a as a as a football fan and everything. I'm an Oxford fan and an Union fan. God knows I don't go to Oxford and Union to watch like wonderful football. This is, um, but you, you you have to you have to not see performances like last like last weekend. The only thing the, the thing that really annoyed me was that after two after the half time. We actually started pressing them high, as well. And as soon as we started pressing them high, they, they, then they started they got pushed back, and then we scored. And it's just one of those things uh, in football. Like sometimes you just have to look at it and go, "Oh no, the third goal and everything absolutely broke our neck." The same way as the the Hertha's second goal broke our neck. Um, it, it, I, I do hope. Us is a defender, was a defender, is an extremely defensive coach, is an extremely pragmatic coach as well, I would say. I don't know what he's going to do to iron this out of our guys. Uh, let's see who he puts, who he puts up um, on, uh, in the game against Schalke. Uh, Lentz uh, is missing again. That's probably something we should, um, we should look at and everything. Who's going to fill in for Lentz? Um, there's a variety of candidates. People are saying that uh, uh, that obviously with Ryerson now out for the season as well, poor guy. Who are we going to put the back? Do we trust Reichelt again uh, after his like quite subpar performance last time out? Do we put Bülter at the back? That was one idea. Um, do we um, like? 
who, who else can you put in there if uh, if Lentz is missing? Uh, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. If I was Schalke, and they are obviously, as Kyle has said, in a, in in an, in an awful uh, in an awful run of form. I'll put it more pragmatically than Kyle said anyway. Um, they are missing Mascarell for the rest of the season. If he was playing, if Mascarell was playing, then we might have uh, then we might have been looking over our shoulders a little bit here. Uh, but Chaga, they're still they're still a, a decent team. They're, they've got a good a trainer. I have a lot of time for David Wagner as well. Um, it's not going to be easy by any means. I think this is going to be a typical uh, just a fight. This is who wants to who 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 fights. Who has more fight for it? Basically, I think that's going to be that's going to be this uh, this Sunday. Let's yeah. let's just hope. fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed indeed. And yeah, I think um, when you talk about more fight and when you talk about some of the issues that you have, it kind of makes me think of uh, of, of our mate Matt, who stands with us. Who again, I think he might he might have a listen to this, but he often talks about how how far teams run. And when Union outrun an opponent, we often do very well. Now, there were, there were times last weekend when we did actually outrun Gladbach. We were chasing down. I think we started the, the game with... I, I, I actually watched a little bit of it on a... On, on a I, I probably won't say what I watched it on, actually, because I'm in Belgium. But um, I, I watched it on something um, where there was uh, American commentators, I think. Um, I'm not sure. but. Um, one thing they talked about after about 15 minutes was how high the Union were playing. Now, you talk about um, our, our trainer, Ulz Fischer, Fischerball. I, I think that we had the right strategy for the game. As, as, I think as we commented at the time, it was mistake, 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 mistake. It wasn't, there wasn't anything wrong with the game plan. And I think it's an interesting one that we're... We're not, we're not up against a team that are any mugs. Schalke, Schalke are a decent side. They're in a bad run of form. It's, it's going to be a real, real hard scrap, I think. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll come on to predictions in a bit. But, um, Timmers, what else have you got to say on this one? I actually agree with both of you that last week we did really well when we started to push them high. I was in the stadium last November uh, in Gelsenkirchen when we visited Schalke and I was impressed with our first half because we were really brave, we were gutsy, we were just pressing them high and we were the much better side in the first half. It was the other way around in the second half. You both are saying that Schalke has a good team, I agree, but that's only if they have a complete squad, which they don't. So, uh, I mean, Harid has been missing for weeks and weeks. I'm not sure whether he's injured this weekend. Uh, Benito Raman hasn't been fit as well. Uh, so that completely takes the edge of that team. Um, I think we should be very gutsy again. But it's probably not going to happen in this current situation because we lack self-confidence. And Schalke is lacking confidence as well. So as Marius Bülter already said, it's probably going to be a very, very, very um, ugly game where just the result counts. The planning of the match day is actually super interesting because all our direct competitors are going to play, be playing ahead of us on Saturday um, and Sunday 1.30. So I think only Augsburg is playing after us. And if everything goes uh, according to plan, we might not have a match point, but we should and could have a set point that if we're going to 
get a win against Schalke, and we really need a win against Schalke, it would be a major, major leap towards um, staying up in the first league. But it's a bit of a 60-40 situation, I'd say. Yeah, I think um, that's a really interesting point, Baz, actually, on the, uh, the way the fixture list is uh, probably on this one. If the results go our way, that's a, that's a big incentive to try and do the business. Alternatively, that's a lot of pressure if results don't go our way and we go into Sunday afternoon. An empty Alta Forsterai, again, my, my kind of worrying nature comes to the fore and it's like that, that builds a lot of pressure in the dressing room, lack of confidence. It's, it's going to take the big players now in that dressing room to go, look, guys, there's not many, there's not many left now. We, we really need to deliver. And the Union, the Union players know that the fans are there in spirit. But unfortunately, at this present time, that's all we can offer. We're there in spirit, but we're not there. We're not the 12th man. And, and they need to find that within themselves for at least one or two games. Absolutely true. If you can't stand the pressure, though, if you can't stand that pressure, then you shouldn't be in the first league. I'm quite optimistic about that because we do have Christian Gentner, who's been through this several times. We've got, I think, a decent structure age-wise and experience-wise in the squad as well. So we should be able to cope with, um, with this pressure. But I agree with you. If the results are going against us before we are going to be on the pitch, then it would pile a massive amount of um, pressure on it. Um, looking forward even further, our last, I think last match of the season actually is at home against Dusseldorf. It would be a fucking nightmare if we would still have to get a result then against an opponent where we've been pretty much unlucky in the last couple of, last couple of years. So we should prevent that at all costs, but it's going to be, it's going to be tight. Yeah, um, those last-minute goals, especially away from home uh, of late against Dusseldorf, you, you don't want to be wanting a result, even if it is at the, uh, the Alta Forster Ike, because obviously it's a, it's a ghost fixture. Okay, let's, um, let's wrap up the, uh, the podcast. I think it's been a really interesting conversation, some great, uh, great themes that we've covered. I hope you've all enjoyed it. Let's, let's nail our, uh, our predictions to the mast. It's clearly going to be a tough game against Schalke. Obviously, we're going to know the results of other fixtures. I've looked at those other fixtures. I, I, I think that the fixtures will be, will be fairly mixed, but I think there might be a little glimmer of hope. And I think, think that we're going to go into this fixture to pick up on something that Baz mentioned. It's not going to be a match point, but it could be a set point. I think we're going to win 1-0. Kyle, over to you. Yeah, uh, so because I said that Schalke are fucking shit, no doubt they're going to beat us now. Um, but no, I hope not. I hope not. Uh, thinking about the game, yeah, it, it, it's tied up for like a 1-0 with an awful goal. And yeah, um, but I'll take it. Uh, any, any win. Uh, any win will do. Yeah, I think uh, any win will do is, uh, is definitely the one. And uh, Mark, what's your, what's your final thoughts? Nil-nil. Nil nil. Wow. Well, I, I to be honest, actually, if, if I'm being my little misery misery self, I'm and the worry self, I, I probably so far I actually agree with you more than my, my myself, which is kind of worrying. But it's Friday night. Um, 
I don't. I can I just say that that nil nil. It, it's not my misery head talking there either. I think that actually a, a, a clean sheet of any kind might actually be the best thing that could happen to us. Confidence game, especially in the back, especially with the Giekewitz and especially with the, the, the mistakes that they're making at the back there. Nil-nil against Schalke's attack, even if it's slightly weakened, could be the starting point for something more. As opposed to like a like I don't know four three mental game win or lose something like that. That's why I think that's that's uh, that's that's good. Good that you're uh, going positive, and I completely agree with that. And I think as you've mentioned clean sheets, can I maybe throw back at you? What do you make of our goalkeeper at the moment? Obviously, he's out of contract. It's well documented. Is he is he the man he was? 10, 20 games ago? Well, I think, uh, I think Kyle ma- might have a slightly different opinion to me, uh, given that uh, our man at the back took up a good half of this A4 rant that he, that he made last week after the Gladbach game. Um, I think it's, not, it's difficult to say. I think that um, we don't know how good Moritz Nicholas is, the backup. Um, the uh, Leonard Moser is supposed to be a very good keeper. I mean, he's supposed to have ha- had a few good games in, in, in Belgium in the top league there as well. He's more one for the future, I think, though. At the moment, I think that, that, that Giekewitz is, is uh, the best that we have. And I think we should ignore the, uh, the fact that he's, uh, that he's off at the end of the season and just put our best team out for the remaining five, five games. I don't think this is really a time for experiments somehow. Uh, Kyle, you've, you know, your 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 little rant has actually seemed to to get get more traction on the uh, the podcast than maybe envisaged. So, uh, what what do yeah. you make of what? <laughs> yeah, um, like at the time, I was thinking in terms of the goals. I was like, uh, is Geekovic could have could have done better? But time time is a great healer, and um, yeah, I. I I do think my my idea was that if Busk is the one who's staying for next year, why not play him if we've got nothing to lose at the moment? But um, no, Gigiwicz has proven himself. He, he that he, he deserves the number one jersey. He's played every compet- competitive game that we've had for the last season, basically two seasons at this point. I yeah, I I, I'll, I'll st- I would stick with Gigiwicz. Uh, not what I would have said on uh, on Sunday evening, but yeah, no, stick with Gigiwicz. Um, He's good. We don't. Every, everyone else is unproven uh, at this level. Gikovic has proven that he can pull something out, and hopefully, the the mistakes that have happened, not just for Gikovic, but the mistakes that happened in general last week, are a bit of a kick up the bum um, for for the guys. Because yeah, the structure is there, but just to keep switched on because uh, like outside of those mistakes, maybe we're getting something out of these games, but we just got to eradicate these mistakes. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, he needs to stay alert, save goals and win games. Baz, uh, what, can, what can you conclude on? I'm actually reading Kicker at the moment as well, which uh, gives me even more confidence because Mascarell is out for the rest of the season. Harit is not going to be back. Stambouli is not going to be back. Todibo is not going to be back. Weston McKennie uh, is um, suspended. Then again, I don't want to look at um, the opponent too much. I agree with Kyle here. I think we're going to win 1-0. Well, okay. We've got, uh, we've got three 1-0s. We've got a 0-0. I th- think what we have there is 
we all hope for a clean sheet. If we get a clean sheet, it's one more point or three more points towards survival. So to conclude the podcast, a big thanks to Devalets for the theme music. We love using it. Had a lot of great feedback. It's a brilliant tune. The podcast is available, as many of you will know if you're listening, on Spotify, Anchor, RSS feeds. If you have any troubles, drop us a line. Kyle is kindly editing this and, and putting it together and doing a lot of the technical stuff. I think he has an update from our friends at Apple. Kyle. Yeah, so uh, I got an email uh, a couple of days ago from uh, Apple saying that uh, I basically I have to show that we've got uh, permission to use the intro music, which we got from Devalet. So uh, we aren't on Apple Podcasts just yet, um, but bear with us. We'll hopefully be up in the not-too-distant future. Very good. Well, thank you to Baz for making your debut. I thought you were excellent, Baz. It was a real pleasure to have you on the podcast and hopefully see you again. Mark as ever, it was, uh, it was really good to hear your thoughts. And Kyle, once again, brilliant job on putting this podcast together. Thanks to all our listeners. Any feedback on Twitter, etc., give us a shout. Und niemals vergessen. One for the outtakes. <laughs> <laughs>